Welcome to Bravery Trek Run Ashore, a podcast for Bravery Trust in partnership with Content Group. Welcome to another episode of Run Ashore, the podcast that follows this year's route for the Bravery Trust fundraiser, Bravery Trek. I'm Mark Cooper, and thank you for joining me. Today, we continue to explore 12 locations that are significant to the Royal Australian Navy in Sydney Harbour. I hope that you've been enjoying the series and learning something new about the decorated history of our Navy. Today, we're joined by Colonel John Platt, who's going to talk to us about the unique history of North Head. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure to, uh, to be here and part of the uh, wonderful podcast that you're actually doing. Oh, look, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, of course, John, it's, it's lovely that we've both, uh, you know, worked together in the, uh, the Australian Defence Simulation Training Centre some years ago. So it was nice realising we had that connection. Indeed. Yeah. So, John, can you tell us a bit about your, your personal history and, you know, your career background? Certainly, Mark. Um, I was actually uh, born and raised in western New South Wales uh, and then uh, joined the Army, uh, went to the Officer Cadet School and was commissioned in 1973 and then served uh, both in Australia but overseas also in the United Kingdom, in Germany, uh, United States, the Philippines and, uh, and East Timor. And I've had, whilst every posting has been enjoyable, uh, I have some that uh, certainly stood out uh, including uh, being the honorary ADC to the Governor of New South Wales, who at the time was uh, Sir Roden Cutler, VC. He uh, was a senior career advisor for the Army. Oh, what an incredible person to work to. That must have been an amazing experience. It was. I mean, Sir Roden um, was uh, a great Australian, as we all know, longest-serving Governor of uh, New, South, New South Wales. And I'll cover a little bit more when I cover North Head because there is a, there is a link there with uh, with Sarodin with uh, with with North with North Head, and some of my other postings have included obviously commanding officer of the School of Artillery at Manly, New South Wales when it was there. Uh, I had time as the defence advisor in the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, uh, commandant of the Army Recruit Training Centre at Kapuka. Uh, and when we stood up Headquarters Joint Operations Command, I was the commanding officer of the headquarters and then stayed on as the chief safety officer for, uh, for about 10 years whilst doing sort of business outside. So um, uh, with business outside, I've been involved in the financial services sector um, and chaired companies, I've been on the board of a number of, a number of companies, worked for ING uh, Australia, uh, ANZ and um, the company that I've been associated uh, with um, since its inception uh, and um, uh, that along with uh, belonging to the uh, Harbord RSL sub-branch, uh, being a member of the RSL New South Wales Tribunal um, and Manly Life Saving Club is enough to keep me busy at the moment. <laughs> well congratulations on an amazing um, both military and civil career John. It's, um, it's a complete credit to you. Oh, thank you very much, Mark. Yeah, and no, it's really, it's really interesting, I, I think, Mark, that I think that uh, the things that I learnt in the military, uh, I've been able to relate to uh, um, the commercial and business environment. And the things that actually I've learnt in the commercial and business environment, I've actually been able to sort of relate back 
uh, to the military, particularly uh, as Chief Safety Officer in the way that we approached uh, uh, risk uh, in, uh, in the business and your rate, how it's related, obviously, to the military as well. Mm. Mm. That's fascinating. And you live on the northern beaches yourself, John? Live at Manly, Mark, and uh, have lived here since uh, since 2000, since I uh, came back to uh, to Sydney and um, and that stage left the Defence Force and, as mentioned, then came back to do the, the job of commanding officer for the headquarters of Headquarters Joint Operations Command. So well and truly in, entrenched in, uh, uh, in Manly, as it happens to be, on the northern beaches and probably stay here for a considerable period of time. Oh, and why not? What a beautiful place to live. Yeah, look, I, I, I enjoy it and I enjoy, enjoy the beach and enjoy the surf club, enjoy the, enjoy the people and uh, still manage to try and get in the water most days, actually, including this morning. <laughs> now you're making me jealous. <laughs> Um, so, John, let's let's turn to talking about uh, North Head. So, uh, perhaps for the benefit of our listeners who don't know Sydney very well, can you tell us a bit about its location? Obviously, as you enter Sydney Harbour, you've got South Head, uh, occupied by the uh, the Navy with HMAS Watson, and uh, North Head until the end of 1997 was essentially occupied uh, by the Army. Uh, there are some other establishments actually on uh, North Head. So uh, on North Head itself, since 19 sort of 30, 36, 37, there's been an army presence there, and it started with the building of the um, the gun emplacements, the coastal gun emplacements, which occurred uh, just before the Second World War. Two 9.2 inch guns were built with associated tunnels and infrastructure on North Head as part of the Defence of Sydney. And uh, the Defence of Sydney is 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 interesting because it, it links in both, you know, the Army and uh, and and the Navy as well. And if we have a look at the Defence of Sydney. It really sort of going back, it sort of started basically around the defence of essentially what is now Circular Quay. It included obviously uh, Pinchgut as it happens to be. It included Middlehead as well. Uh, it included uh, Southhead and it included probably more recently uh, Northhead with the two 9.2 inch guns which were, uh, which were established prior to the Second World War as I mentioned. They could essentially fire out to about 26 kilometres and if you have a look at that uh, when I say they could fire up to the Hawkesbury River Bridge, which is the way, obviously, direct line, it's it's actually a, a long way. So they were there. And then in 1945, uh, 46, uh, the School of Artillery, the Australian School of Artillery, moved up to, uh, to North Head and was there from 1945, 46 until the end of 1997 when it moved to uh, Puckapunyal in, in Victoria. Also occupying North Head is the quarantine station, which has a really rich history. People probably re- recognise the quarantine station, I guess, because after the First World War, a number of soldiers went to the quarantine station because they had the Spanish influenza. So it was almost akin to sort of the recent episode that we've had with what I call the COVID apocalypse. So it has a rich history itself. There is an element on North Head for the National Parks and Wildlife. And then if you go down to Manly itself, it has a uh, interesting um, history is there. So the School of Artillery obviously was set up to uh, to train uh, soldiers for uh, the Royal Australian Artillery. It did train a number of uh, officers and soldiers uh, from overseas, particularly from our neighbours from Malaysia, you know, Indo- Indonesia, uh, Singapore, and so forth. That were uh, were there. It remained there to teach 
what was field gunnery or, or uh, air defence uh, and some other as technical aspects of gunnery uh, all the way through to uh, the end of 1997. I always look upon North Head as, uh, as having sort of four really important factors or tenets, if you like, uh, with the School of Artillery and North Head. One of them is the recognition of the, uh, the First Nations history associated with North Head. Second thing is the rich military history of North Head. Uh, the third one is it's, it's quite a unique environment with North Head flora and fauna on North Head. It, it, it is quite different up at North Head and to the credit of the Sydney Harbour Federation Trust they've actually continued to in particular with the environmental aspect to enhance the environmental aspect and there are walkways uh, through there at the, uh, the moment. And also the other one is uh, the School of Arturi's relationship and North Head's relationship to the Manly community. The School of Arturi had a, uh, a very strong relationship with the, uh, the community to the point that it had the freedom of the city of, Ma of Manly, which it exercised uh, as well. So they're the four aspects that I see uh, uh, related to, uh, to North Head and in particular sort of the School of Arturi that was there as mentioned from sort of roughly 19... Um, uh, 45 to uh, to 97 and then remembering that before that there was uh, the coastal artillery that was there. The barracks themselves are really quite unique. The art deco in design, it, look it's a beautiful precinct up there which uh, which also needs to be uh, to be preserved and I believe it was the start of uh, the bravery trek and I couldn't think of a better place to start the bravery trek than on army soil. <laughs> Oh, once in a green uniform, always in a green uniform. <laughs> that's that's true, Mark. Yeah. Sort of a lot of our other services, but uh, you know, we have to put the army in there as well to make sure that there is a balance. Yeah, fair enough. Um, look, I'd love to explore each of those topics that you've just raised, um, uh, John, and, and thank you for sort of bringing them up. Um, so. I wouldn't mind just casting back a little bit and maybe talking about the, you know, the, the First Peoples and the, you know, the Indigenous um, occupation of North Head and, and, uh, and evidence of that. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that story? Well, it's actually probably everybody thinks about um, um, the Indigenous history in this area as the history of uh, uh, Manly in itself, where, of course, Manly got its name by uh, uh, observing... Uh, uh, the First Nations people in the area uh, uh, as they were manly in stature and hence the name uh, Manly. North Head itself is a little bit different because uh, whilst uh, Manly down on the, down the harbour side and down on the surf side actually provided an environment where people could sort of fish and there was fresh water and a number of other things, it was a little bit different up on North Head because uh, uh, really there wasn't a lot on North Head and to my knowledge, uh, you know, there was actually limited, uh, you know, um, uh, First Nations actually occupation in itself of their, although I understand that, uh, that North Head in, in, in itself has got some, some significance uh, certainly uh, there, but it is certainly part of, uh, of the rich history with regard to, uh, to North Head in, it, in, in itself. Mm. I've been doing a little bit of reading, so I understand that you know there are uh, you know rock engravings and, and rock art up there, and um, it was often used for uh, spiritual ceremonies and rituals. Yeah, look, I, look, I understand that. In fact, it's interesting. In my time at North Head, um, I, uh, I I know the area quite well. I, I cannot say that uh, that I saw those particular carvings actually up there. Um, I, I I have read about its importance and. 
for me, I probably need to go back and actually have a look and find out a little bit more about it. Uh, I certainly know that uh, down sort of in Manly itself, off North, off North Head, it was uh, is certainly is certainly there. There was more occupation down down there um, uh, uh, with the uh, in, in indigenous um, uh, families down there, and uh, and that's the one that actually sort of stands out more than North Head. I think it would have been a little bit hard to live up on North Head itself because there wasn't really much up on on the North Head when it was a better environment for people to live right down down in the Manly precinct itself on the water. Yes, and of course there's uh, you know connections to the First Fleet and uh, and Captain Arthur Philip himself in in that area. Yes, and there's a statue in fact down in Manly with uh, Arthur Philip uh, there as well. Well, there's a rich area sort of within the Manly sort of Middle Harbour precinct as well with regard to the First Nations in this area and the number of early artworks that you'll see sort of in uh, in our art galleries actually reflect that the, the fishing in the area and, and so forth. Yeah. And up, and that also includes up on the peninsula, where I have seen some of the rock carvings up on the peninsula as, uh, as well from uh, from the First Nations people that were here. Yeah, I um, I've always sort of enjoyed that story of Arthur Philip, um, you know, going over to Collins Beach, which is that little harbour beach um, inside North Head, and there was uh, you know a, a feast there on a on a whale, I think it was, and. Um, one um, Philip approached one of the Aboriginal men, and he sort of took offence and threw a spear at him, and uh, got him in the shoulder. And then Philip's men, you know, went to point their muskets at the at, you know the Aboriginal families, and Philip told them no. Uh, and uh, you know, of course, Philip fully recovered from his his wound. But it it's just um, a wonderful piece of sort of European and Aboriginal history right there right there in, the, in that manly location yes it is it is indeed and uh, yeah look there there is there is a rich history that needs to be preserved as is a rich history in fact in some ways uh, there's a probably even a richer history at middlehead with regard to uh, to the first nations as well and um, one of my military uh, colleagues has just actually finished a book on, uh, on on Middlehead, which actually not only covers the military side, but actually covers the First Nations side on mil- the military head. That's uh, Brigadier Kevin O'Brien has uh, recently ha- actually put out a book about it, which I think sort of, as I said, look, uh, uh, it's important that we actually make sure that we recognise, you know, all aspects of the history, uh, whether it's First Nations history, whether it's military history, or whether it's the history related to the uh, to the environment with the sites that we've actually got in, and that not only includes North Head, but it includes, uh, you know, obviously places like uh, like like Middle Head and South Head and so forth. Yes. Um, so you then talked a little bit about the uh, the quarantine station, um, John. So you can tell us a bit more about that. When when was the station established and and what happened there? Yeah, look, I'd, I'd have to go back and uh, have a look. I mean, when it was first established, it was fairly isolated across uh, on North Head, where where it actually is. So it would have been um, uh, it would have been in the eighteen hundreds. Exact date I, I cannot give uh, give you, but uh, it's interesting to go down there and have a look at the uh, the buildings. But just as interesting is, in actual fact, there are, are a lot of rock carvings actually down there which were the the plaques of the ships that actually went in there so when uh, uh, some of the ships were actually quarantined in there and this was before the, fir- the first world war and they might have had so you know smallpox uh, uh, on board and so forth so they'd go into the quarantine station uh, 
and you go down there and you have a look at the uh, the rock the rock carvings uh, and they're down there the first world war as we mentioned before just after the first world war as we're all aware with spanish influenza a number of ships actually went in there with our soldiers there uh, sadly uh, there were um, a, a number of soldiers and civilians that actually uh, that actually died whilst they were uh, in quarantine at the quarantine station. There are three quarantines. There are three cemeteries uh, up on North Head, which a, a number of them were actually buried at, including our soldiers from the First World War. So they're up on uh, up on North Head, and there is also a story. Uh, Reece, there were two very brave nurses. Uh, after the Second World War that looked after the soldiers who also died actually whilst they were uh, serving at the quarantine station as nurses. They're also buried at cemetery uh, number three up on North Head. Parks and Wildlife have the, uh, the quarantine station so people can go and visit the quarantine station and learn about the, uh, the, the history of the quarantine station as well. Mm. And of course they have, uh, you know, it's open for weddings or conferences. Um, they have the, the ghost tours and you can stay there overnight. I understand. Yeah. Yes, I, I was talking to someone the other day, actually, Mark, about the uh, the ghost tours, and I understand the ghost tours are actually quite frightening. <laughs> uh, somebody who had actually been there said they have never been so petrified as to when when they went on one of the ghost the ghost tours. They didn't expect it, and they were terrified. So, uh, so whatever they do, they've they've actually uh, they've got the the right the, the right uh, formula there. Yeah, well, I've had an experience at uh, Victoria Barracks in Paddington there. I stayed in the, the officers' uh, quarters and had a, a spiritual experience, but that's the story for another day, I think. <laughs> Pretend, I'd have to ask, Mark, what sort of spiritual experience you had in the officers' quarters? Was it the, the liquid spiritual experience? <clears throat> no, I was visited in the or... night. Yeah, no, I was visited. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so changing topic, uh, so the North Fort, uh, so you can tell us a little bit about the history of the North Fort. Yeah, well, it's, all, it's all obviously part of the, sort of the School of Artillery uh, area. The North, what they refer to is the, the, the central area which the main School of Artillery is, which happened to be the Art Deco buildings that are, which are down there, which were in fact built as the barracks for the two 9.2 inch um, guns there, or the or the or the, or the coastal battery. Um, the North Fort is closer to uh, the, um, the two 9.2 inch inch guns. It's called North Fort, but it's really sort of all part of the same precinct, if you uh, if you like. But the two the two 9.2 inch guns are up there, plus the tunnels, and uh, they are open to the public and uh, certainly worth worth a worth worth a visit. What also has been established actually up at North Fort it, itself uh, is the Defence of Sydney Monument is one of them and also there is a memorial walk across there which actually covers, the walk covers the campaigns that the Australian servicemen have been involved in. But the Defence of Sydney Monument was established in about basically 1995-96 and that's the time in fact that I was the commanding officer at the, uh, the School of Artillery and how it happened it was it was a federal government initiative across Australia um, to recognise, obviously, the uh, uh, end of the uh, end of the Second World War, and each federal electorate was allocated sort of uh, uh, money to have a look at um, at actually which way they would commemorate it. And for Warringah, which is this federal seat, um, what uh, was decided is that uh, that uh, we would actually uh, do a defence of Sydney monument. 
which actually covers uh, all of the volunteers which were associated with the defence of Sydney during the Second World War. So it doesn't only include Army, Navy, Air Force, it includes the civilian volunteers uh, and anybody else that was associated with the defence of Sydney. And there are, as a result, there are, you know, essentially tens of thousands of people that were associated with uh, the defence of Sydney during the Second World War. It also uh, covers basically what people refer to as the, the time that war came to Sydney. And the time that war came to Sydney was when the three um, Japanese miniature submarines on the night of the 31st of May, 1st of June, 1942, entered Sydney Harbour and they sunk uh, the Cutable. Uh, those three submarines came into uh, to Sydney Harbour really to uh, uh, to get the military shipping, including the USS Chicago. Uh, and uh, uh, the long and short of it is that uh, obviously they missed the Chicago, but one of the torpedoes went off underneath the Cutable. Uh, and there were, if my memory serves me correctly, I think there was 24 sailors on board that were actually killed as a result of that. So not only does the Defence of Sydney Monument up at North Fort actually commemorate um, um, uh, you know, the time that the war came to Sydney, it commemorates obviously uh, the lives of those uh, of those uh, s sailors that were actually lost on the night of the uh, uh, 31st of May, 1st of June, 1942. Mm. And John, I understand with the North Fort, you know, you mentioned there's the tunnels, sort of 200 metres worth of tunnels, about eight metres down, um, so they were, they were bomb-proof. Um, and there's also the, the two plotting rooms that are down there. I can sort of certainly sort of uh, recommend anybody who's in the area to go and visit uh, North Fort as such and go and have a look at the tunnels and the, uh, and the guns. The, big, the, two, the two guns that were removed after the Second World War, the tunnels, to my mind, are in pristine condition, which is a reflection on, uh, on the build that actually went into them sort of in that sort of 19, sort of uh, 36, 37 uh, period. Uh, to establish them. Uh, the plotting room as such uh, is probably about uh, 400 metres away from where the guns actually are for very sensible reasons that, uh, you know, that if, if the, the guns were shelled then the plotting room would still be there and still be able to, uh, uh, to, 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 to operate. Recently the, um, uh, the plotting room has, uh, has had quite a bit of refurbishment done to it and um, that's, a, that's a reflection of uh, the Royal Australian Artillery Historical Company which has been involved obviously uh, in conjunction with the Sydney Harbour, Harbour, Harbour Federation Trust as well. So the military history side of that is, uh, is, is continuing to be preserved and uh, it, it really is, is sort of interesting. Mm. Um, and I understand in the plotting room they were taking uh, you know, observations from sort of Port Stephens down to Port Kembla um, and watching enemy shipping and uh, you know, they'd be plotting their speed and direction and, and then for, you know, uh, communicating through to the, the gunneries so that if they wanted to fire upon enemy ships they could. Yes, and look, this was part of the coastal defence which ran up and down the coast and as you, as you pointed out, uh, it, uh, it basically... More immediately, it ran from basically Newcastle down to uh, down to Wollongong to Port Kembla uh, to ensure that uh, there was a form of security and protection uh, from 
uh, you know, the, 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 not only the naval aspects as we look upon them as in, as in the Royal Australian Navy, but also the, the, the shipping which was associated with the war effort during the Second World War, the protection of that and to ensure that nothing would actually sort of come into the harbour, which we discussed before, which actually did occur on the night of the 31st of May, 1st of June, 1942, when the, um, when the three uh, Japanese miniature submarines actually came into the harbour, which, mm. uh, you know, again, is a, a, a story in, in itself. And you're probably aware that one of those uh, uh, miniature Japanese submarines is, uh, is actually down at the War Memorial, which was recovered. Yes. And John, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us about the history and significance of North Head? No, look, it's it's as as mentioned, Mark. Look, I, I think it's an important part um, uh, of our of our history, uh, North Head. It's uh, for the bravery trek. Uh, again, it was the uh, it was the start of the, uh, of the of the trek itself. I encourage sort of people to, uh, if they're in Sydney, to to visit uh, North Head to go and have a look at the guns and have a look at um, the rich military history, but also to recognise the other aspects of North Head, uh, the indigenous history which we which we discussed before, uh, the unique flora and fauna which actually exists up on uh, up on up on up on North Head, uh, and also you know the North Heads relationship from uh, from a military perspective and from an Indigenous his- history perspective to the local community, whether it be more recently to the Manly community or the previous Indigenous community which existed here. Mm. So once again, thank you to Colonel John Platt for joining us today. I know that I've certainly learned a lot about North Head and I'm sure that you, our listeners, have as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the series on your favourite podcast streaming platform. More episodes are available that follow the journey of this year's trek. But for the moment, keep working on those kilometres and bye for now. You've been listening to Bravery Trek Run Ashore. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all the latest episodes.